0: What's up, what's up, what's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another Minnesota Twins postcast episode right here. Locked on Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's Sam Ekstrom. Go follow him on X, at Sam Ekstrom. And Sam, before we jump into this Twin 6-4 victory over the A's in Game 2 of the series, quick reminder, this postcast episode is brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash has hundreds of restaurants and grocery stores to choose from in your area. And now you can get 50% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKED. Get 50% off your first order up to $20 along with zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app and use the promo code LOCKED. One more time, that's promo code LOCKED for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Sam, let's get into the meat and potatoes here real quick. Right out the gate. Twins coming into game two after putting out just a clinic last night, doing really exactly what you're supposed to do when you're a playoff team, playing one of the worst teams in baseball, taking care of business last night with that 11-3 victory. Tonight, they got to rally back. Down 4-2 in the sixth. They score two runs with Jeffers' two-run home run to tie it back up. Then in the eighth, they go ahead for good with a Larnik double, a sack fly from Jeffers. He had three RBIs tonight. Dallas Keuchel comes in, tries to close things down, gets in a little bit of trouble. We got a single, a hit batter. It's got to make things dramatic because nothing's ever easy, Sam, in Minnesota sports. Griffin Jax comes in, though. He cleans up the mess, gives the Twins their 85th victory of the year. And now just four games remaining on the schedule. Um, I want to talk about Pablo Lopez. He got the start tonight. But real quick, just your knee-jerk reaction on the Twins taking game two tonight and kind of the offensive outpour yet again, scoring 17 runs now in the last two games.
1: Yeah, a little more compelling tonight, Luke. Twins uh, had to sweat this one out, and they are technically still playing for something to maybe take a run at that two seed, make the Texas Rangers sweat a little bit. But if Texas loses tonight, I think the Twins go into the final four games with a puncher's chance to steal that two seed. But I do want to point out, Luke, that the Minnesota Twins are 4-0 and since we started doing the postcasts. And Todd, Todd, I know you're watching on YouTube asking why Todd haven't we been doing the them all year long? That's right. Clearly, the mojo is here with the Twins postcast because they have yet to lose when we do the postgame show. And Todd, let me tell you, we're doing it all postseason. So let so let's see. Two, if you win two games in the wild card, three games in the ALDS, then four games in the ALC. So thirteen games. That's the minimum to win the World Series. So I think that's uh, probably what the Twins will do.
0: Yeah, and I think that's pretty reasonable expectations for us, right? I mean, that's just what we do here, Sam. We got that chemistry going on. Um, Jack's with the save. Keichel gets the win after all that, believe it or not. But it was Pablo Lopez on the mound in his last start before the postseason and after Rocco announced he's going to get the nod for game one next Tuesday night. So kind of one last opportunity for him to kind of polish things up, get one last kind of tune-up, right, before October baseball starts. Unfortunately, though, He goes four and a third, five hits, three earned. He still struck out six with only one walk, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say not necessarily the final start you were hoping for from the guy who's pitching game one for you next Tuesday night, Sam.
1: Yeah, if he has a clean fifth, you probably walk out of this one feeling okay, and I think it was already known. It wasn't maybe going to be a full-blown 100-pitch start. They were going to pull him probably earlier rather than later just to protect that arm, give him an extra day's rest going into next Tuesday. Um, But, you know, again, Lopez getting pulled in the fifth I think might be foreshadowing of what we'll see a little bit in the postseason where once your starter gets in the fifth inning, I think he is a hint of trouble away from being pulled. And I'm just going to prepare fans get ready for it. Get ready to get angry about some managerial moves because when you get in the postseason, everything's magnified. And by the way, I'm not necessarily saying this is wrong. I'm just saying, brace yourself because this, this was the big gripe about the Tampa Bay Rays a couple of years ago in the world series. They pulled Blake Snell in the sixth inning when he was dealing and let a guy on base, they'll play the percentages. So even though this move today, it might've been just to protect Pablo's arm not make him stress in his final start of the regular season. I think it's actually a little bit of practice by Rocco on how he's going to manage in the postseason. If a starter is in the third time through the order or getting close to that and they let a guy on base in the fifth inning or later, you might see him yanked. You might see your bullpen get used and the twins like their bullpen right now. So um, not the sharpest outing from Pablo, but also I'm not panicking about it. I mean, in in the end, he only gave up, what, one run on the scoreboard and then field bar inherits those runs and then lets in two. Um, and Luke, if this was in the postseason, if you pulled your ace pitcher in the fifth inning for a bullpen guy who allows two runs to score, people are going to be upset. There's going to be headlines written in the papers. So while this isn't the most compelling game tonight, Twins and Athletics, right, the 158th game of the year, there are elements that you can talk about and, and look ahead to the postseason and say, all right. If that happens going forward, people might not be too happy.
0: Um, glad you brought that up. I want to go a little bit more in depth, so stay tuned just about that playoff pitching picture. But just real quick, just going back to that announcement a few days ago, here's what I thought was interesting, Sam. Normally, you don't get a coach talking about his playoff rotation this early from the playoffs, right? Still a week out, especially with a guy like Rocco. I mean, he's always – he loves to play things close to the vest, so – Kind of a huge vote of confidence, though, right, for both Pablo and Sonny Gray to hear their manager speak so highly of them both and announce them the one-two starters over a week and a half before the playoffs even start, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I think it just speaks, though, to the strength of Lopez and Gray mm-hmm. and how they were head and shoulders above the rest of this Top rotation. Heavy. Like, yeah. I, I think that that – and I don't believe he committed to a game one or game two starter in that moment. I think the writing is on the wall that it's going to be Pablo – in game one. And while you could argue, you could hem and haw about which of the two has been better this year. I kind of love Sonny gray. Luke, yeah, you do in game two in game yeah. two. So I, I love Sunny gray. I think Sonny gray might be your, your, your bulldog, just the, the hard headed pitcher. That's going to work out of a jam and gut it out. Like I love Sonny gray. And for that reason, you might say, well, why isn't he a game one starter? I actually love that mentality in your game two starter because that could be a closeout game mm-hmm. to win the series or it could be a winner-go-home game. And I like Sonny Gray's um, stubbornness in that position. Does that make sense? Like, I it, think it Sonny does. Gray fits. Like, I think he will rise to whatever challenge it might be in game two, whether that's win the series or extend the series. I like him in that spot.
0: Yeah, you, you said it best. He's the bulldog. And, and going back to Pablo, whether it is game one or game two, that's going to be his second postseason start of his career. He went five innings for the Marlins, if you remember, back in 2020. But, dude, he's not even close to the same pitcher he was back then, right? I mean, he looks like a completely different guy compared to who he was just three years ago even, right? And this
1: is Pablo or Sonny?
0: Pablo. Sorry, Pablo. Yeah,
1: yep. no. I mean, Pablo has the best strikeout rate of his career, wow. uh, 10.8. Per wow. nine innings. I mean, his his strikeout stuff has been phenomenal this year. A uh, 3.20 ERA since the All-Star break. And you know what, Luke? Do you get into BABIP? Do you like the BABIP stat? Talk to me. BABIP is batting average on balls in play. The batting average on balls in play against Pablo Lopez is 330 after the All-Star break. That is an indicator that not only I mean, he's been phenomenal, And he's also been a little unlucky. Like when the ball has gotten put in play against Pablo, it's finding grass. Typically, you're not going to see BABIPs. Like I think the Twins' team BABIP is 317 after the All-Star break. And Pablo's had a 330 BABIP. So we're getting nerdy here, but that's an indicator that that ERA could could be even lower with a little more luck and a little more fielding behind Pablo Lopez. So he's analytically had a terrific second half of the season and might be working on one of his best stretches overall as a major league pitcher.
0: No, you're right. Six and two records since July 25th and 11 starts, 251 ERA. Plus, the fact he's gone at least six innings in nine of these last 12 starts. That's awfully impressive. Kind of exactly what you want to see from your number one guy heading in. Again, fully aware, not the performance you wanted tonight, but big picture, it's just kind of funny looking back when he started the year as kind of the de facto ace for the team, almost like the default mm-hmm. choice. But this year, just throughout the long season, he's truly turned into the legitimate number one guy. And there's nothing he's doing right now that isn't at its floor. It feels like at least above average, just at its floor, Mm -hmm. just rock solid components up and down his entire game. Uh, Closing statements here, as we move on, on Pablo here, I mean, all is not lost here, right? Because he finishes the season and his last start with the game that he had tonight, right? Like um, chances, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Chances mm-hmm. they do roll with Sonny just because of this one game didn't end on maybe the uh, performance that you were hoping for. Um, or is that too spicy a to take, do you
1: think? Yeah, well, I, I kind of think they might have been predetermined, honestly, because okay. they, they've Either got way. him. And, and I don't know if it's been said out loud, but they had him on a Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And the next start is is Tuesday. I think Sonny is still going to have his final start. So they're going to give them five days rest in between today and game one. And I think they'll set Sonny up for the same thing. I Is he the projected starter tomorrow? This is probably something I should have researched going in. But um, almost
0: I, positive, 99%. I can triple check, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I assume that Sonny gets the start tomorrow. So then he is set up with five days rest in between. He is the projected starter, yep. I can confirm. So they each get five days between starts. Gray in game two Pablo in game one. I think that's set in stone because if it wasn't like, if it was going to be gray in game one, then he'd be on short rest if he starts tomorrow. And that wouldn't make sense. So it's going to be Pablo.
0: Um, just because we're on the topic, let's just stick with the whole pitching bit here that you kind of touched on because the twins bullpen, they got back Chris Paddock. They got back Brock Stewart last night, two guys who I'm sure you and Brandon Warren talked about on last night's postcast. So I won't go mm-hmm. too in the weeds here, but it's something I am, I'm not going to lie. I'm very curious and intrigued about because both these guys could end up playing a huge factor in the post season. And this has been a bullpen when you look all the way back to the beginning of the year, there's been a ton of moving parts going on here. They've had multiple guys changing roles. They've had guys shuffling in and out because of injuries. But last night, they get both those guys back. Paddock, we haven't seen virtually at all in a Twins uniform since they traded for him because of the Tommy John stuff. And who knows? These guys might be in the mix once this playoff roster is set next week, right? Like, What did you see from both those guys last night? And mm-hmm. what's the playoff outlook for both of them as far as like what their roles could look like?
1: Yeah, um, it's a great question, and I hope we see a couple more appearances from both of them in the next four games. Uh, Last night, you saw encouraging stuff in one inning, at least, from Paddock. Second inning didn't go well. And then Brock Stewart, very encouraging ninth inning. Um, And I I think they both absolutely have a path to making this playoff roster, assuming that they perform in these final appearances of the season. Um, I think that Paddock can be a multi-inning guy, but he can also be a one-inning guy. He's got 99 on the gun, like that. That's absolutely a guy you can bring in and and blow someone away in a pinch. That's reliever stuff right there. Uh, and Stewart, same thing. I mean, he's really hasn't shown any flaws yet as a big league pitcher this year. His ERA is like negative, basically. Uh, they so I thought they both showed really good stuff. Paddock maybe got just lost his command a little bit in that second inning last night. The highs
0: um, were high though for Paddock. It, the for highs sure. were
1: and the strikeout stuff was there. Like people sometimes mm-hmm. they just talk about the stuff kind of ambiguously. He had the stuff that you want to see him have. I will say, I think Stewart's maybe a little more um locked into that playoff bullpen than Paddock. I mean, Stewart has pitched this year and pitched well this year. Paddock is a year and a half removed. I mean, he's he is definitely more on the fringes. When you're talking about wild card uh series bullpen you're talking about seven eight or nine relievers so if they go heavy with nine i think paddock has a spot if they go light with seven, then I think he's probably on the outs. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how they manage yeah, that. Roster. Yeah,
0: let's just dive into that just 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 a little bit deeper because, yeah, the good news is, okay, they're back. They showed flashes. Then the bad news is if they're in, now there's some tough decisions to be made when it comes to this entire pitching rotation just as a whole. So I guess real quick, rapid fire, walk me through each one of these mm-hmm. slots and roles the Twins are going to use kind of one by one. Let's start with the starters one last time with what I would assume, again, Pablo one, we'll just say for now, Sunny two. And I think most of us just assume Joe Ryan would be mm-hmm. most likely to start game three? I,
1: th- I think it is Joe Ryan. Like I think Bailey Ober has the best case to knock him off. And I don't think they're going to go with Ober. You know what I think Ober is? I think Ober could be like a game four starter in the ALCS. I mean, I think he might be your fourth best starter. Um, Maeda has been a little volatile in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think that Ryan betting favorite to be the game three starter and uh yeah those are your one two and three in the wild card series and then you've got decision like then the decision is on whether ober can be a bullpen guy and i don't think he is i think you've got better Like long relief options than Bailey Ober in that in that position,
0: and and to that point, okay, and and again, take a step back. Certainly, the way it seems to be headed, and what Rocco's kind of hinted at here there Mm -hmm. when he's asked about it, and then a reminder too. I mean, the first round of the playoffs is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, bang, bang, bang. So you only need those three starters before you know you can change your roster, tweak some things, add another guy in, in and around two, pending, of course, that they advance. Obviously, now if the starters get in trouble early, and you kind of touched on that, the game it feels like the Twins have have a few guys that they could use in that, I guess they call it the length role, right? To soak up two, three, yeah. four, maybe even five innings if you need. Uh, guys like Dallas Keuchel, maybe. Bailey Ober, you mentioned. Kenta Maeda, perhaps. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but if so, like how nice is it to have those guys um that have started all year long to give you just a plan B and plan C if needed come playoff time?
1: Yeah, and they've got enough of those guys too where I'm not sure Keuchel makes it. Like, I wow. mean, tonight, okay. again, yeah. he had... Had a pretty sharp eighth, struggled in the ninth, and he has been so hot and cold this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, one time he's flirting with a perfect game in one start, and he's getting shelled in the first inning in his next start. I think that Maeda is probably preferable to Keichel. I think that Varland is preferable to Keichel and, and Paddock might be as well. Like I, I I'm not sure Keichel has a spot, to be honest with you. Um, even though he's got you know veteran poise. He doesn't quite have the stuff that we talked about with Paddock. When he's topping out at 88 and Paddock topping out at 99, yeah. one of those guys is just a little more more preferable. And the numbers too, Luke. I mean, you've, you've, if you add it up between Jax and Theobar and Duran and Pagan and Stewart, um, Funderburk might be a key lefty you have to have on the roster too. There just isn't a spot for someone like Dallas Keichel. So the only way, only path for him would be if they're desperate for a lefty But again, that's why I think Funderburk might be kept um, instead of Keichel. So I... um... I, I don't know if I fully answered your question there, but no, that makes a
0: lot of sense. Yeah. And, and I think most, most would agree if there's one odd man out, guess what? Dallas Keiko <laughs> probably draws the short end of the stick. This is why I absolutely love playoffs though, man. You, you see teams getting so creative, pulling out all the stops, just doing whatever they need to do just to come away with a win that night, knowing it's do or die time. And again, you could see guys like Chris Paddock or Ken Amieda. They could certainly play a factor into that equation. Giving Rocco just feels like on paper, plenty of options at his disposal. And, and Dude, who knows? Can you imagine if one of these playoff games ends up going into extras or even 12, 13, 14 innings? Like, not only, I mean, how dramatic, how intense that would get, but again, to have options in your bullpen like that, I gotta think, gives the twins a slight edge with guys who can chew up three, four five innings if needed. So uh, then you get into the late inning guys, the closers, and this has been just a giant melting pot for this team all year long, man, all shapes and sizes on the mound. But all in all, this group has proven to be more than capable being able to come in, close some games out when needed. Talking about Pagan, Thiel Bar, Griffin Jacks tonight, Brock Stewart now, and then obviously Johan Duran, who you know they're going to lean on him uh, a lot during the playoffs as well. But I look back and think about all the times Rocco's chosen to play the matchups and use the guys he just thinks gives them the best chance to go out there and collect the most outs in any given situation with whoever he thinks can do so in that given situation, right? Just quick thoughts on the closer situation and the guys at their disposal as we kind of wrap up this pitching conversation headed into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you could line it up to your heart's content, you'd probably have Duran in the ninth, mm-hmm. Jackson eighth, um, Theobar maybe in the seventh. Like I think those are your three most trusted high-leverage guys, but this is modern management, Luke. This is not this is not Guardy anymore. Garden hire, he's he's retired. <laughs> this is this is modern management in baseball. And that means you address the closest threat and then deal with what happens later so if there's an issue if the bases are loaded with one out in the seventh you're using Duran you're going to eat him up in the seventh and then you'll deal with the eighth you'll deal you'll put in a new pitcher with the bases empty and you'll live with that but he's going to to address the threat when it occurs he's not going to hold his best guys for later and odds are in the postseason you're going to have problems that arise before the ninth inning so it's possible that your closer is someone different every single game. Mm. Um, it's going to be a mishmash in that bullpen. So while you would love to tee it up, just like the script um, reads, it might not go that way. You're going to have to improvise, and that might mean doing something that we didn't see in the Guardy era, which is burn your best guys out in the seventh and eighth innings if you have to. But I think Duran's your number one. Jack's number two. Showed good stuff tonight in that uh, brief save appearance. And then uh, I think Theobar against a lefty or even a righty, He's good against both sides of the plate. I think field bar, even though tonight wasn't stellar for him, they're going to trust him in the
0: postseason. Yeah, no, well said. Todd says Dallas Keuchel, he's just got too much postseason success not to be a factor come playoff time. There could be I, something to be said he could about be on another.
1: He could be on a, on a roster for a later series too, Todd. I mean, sure. uh, the the ALDS, ALCS, you get a new roster every series. I just think you got to be really selective in this three-game set in the wild card.
0: Uh, I want to talk about Rocco in the playoffs, what that could all look like with his track record. And then come a, a couple of the hot bats, Max Kepler four for four tonight and some of the other young pups. But first quick reminder, this episode it's brought to you by DoorDash and we've all been there, Sam dinner's long gone fridge is on E, but you still got the itch for one more meal. That's the perfect time to open up the DoorDash app with all your favorite restaurants and grocery stores, by the way, at your fingertips, you name it, they got it and it's delivered right to your doorstep. No questions asked. Easy to use, as convenient as it gets. And now DoorDash is offering free delivery on all your orders with the Dash Pass membership. What I love the most, without a doubt, is how in-depth, how detailed you can get with your orders. Because sometimes, Sam, I I don't want just the golden Oreos. I want the double stuff, or golden Oreos, okay? Sometimes I, I don't just want Cocoa Pebbles, Sam. I want the Cocoa Pebbles with the marshmallows. Yeah, I said it. Judge me all you want. I'm that guy. DoorDash offers you the peace of mind and ability to custom your order any way you want every time to your liking to get it exactly what you're craving. For a limited time, you're getting 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use the code LOCKED at checkout. That's 50% off up to $20 with no minimum. Plus, no delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKED. One more time, that's code LOCKED for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Sam, let's talk about some of these hot young bats of late because there's a mix of some young guys along with the staples, like Max Kepler, who, I mean, <clears throat> remember, he started out the season colder than my lawn furniture in December, man. Like... <laughs> I mean, I'm even getting choked up. But the second half of the season, he's been absolutely in fuego. He goes 4 for 4 tonight, Lists the average. Do you remember how bad that average was? It was close to like 170 at one point. That's yeah, how bad things real. got. Now it's up to 258 after he goes 4 for 4 tonight. Just talk about his turnaround. And then just in general, how good has this offense been after the All-Star break?
1: Yeah, speaking on Kepler, um, there were some good quotes. I believe it was in the Star Tribune recently where – Falvey and Levine, I think it was Falvey who had the quotes talking about why they stuck with Kepler and their reasoning was plays every day. He's durable, always shows up, plays great defense. And that means more than you think. Um, Didn't really even mention his bat because his bat's been ice cold for a couple of years, but they stuck with him before his reliability in the field, showing up every day. And, I don't know what it was. I don't know what flipped the switch. Maybe it was the trust the organization showed in him, but he's arguably having the second best year of his career behind 2019 when he hit 36 home runs and I think got an MVP vote. Um, the average that he – I'm trying to get the, uh, the the low point of the average here. 188 maybe? Oh, it was, I thought it was even what, worse than that. Well, and it might have been. Yeah. Well below the Mendoza line. I'm seeing yeah. a 175 even. That was April yeah. though. Um it was bad. It was rough. And everybody was calling for, you know, him to be DFA'd and now he's one of the most reliable bats in your lineup. He's hitting 250 plus. He's hitting 244 heading into tonight against lefties. It used to be even in his good years, Luke, he couldn't hit lefties. He's hitting lefties about as well as he's hitting righties. That's huge. So that makes him he's not a platoon player. He's not a guy that you're going to bench against a left-handed pitcher. You can have him out there every single night. Four for four tonight. That's two four-hit games in this series, by the way. Donovan Solano last night, Max Kepler tonight. Uh, he's the one who got on base for um, Jeffers' home run, and then gets on base for Trevor Larnick's double. Got pinch run for by Andrew Stevenson. But uh, Kepler setting the table tonight for the two clutch hits.
0: Uh, in the last two weeks alone, Sam, September 14th, <clears throat> Twins are the number one scoring team in all of baseball. 6.24 runs per game ahead of teams like the Cubs, Braves, Marlins, Diamondbacks. If you take a step back, just in general, that's got to be the A topic, without like, without a doubt. Right now, heading into the postseason, knowing they were a sub-500 team at the break, all while, I mean, remember, I mean, the pitching staff was, for the most part, lights out, carrying the team so you just always kind of knew in the back of your mind okay if they're gonna get hot they're gonna go on a run in October it was always gonna come down to they're hitting turning things around and the fact that they've turned it around in the second half is like okay that's one thing But now they've seemed to like hit even another gear the last two weeks, I think means even more so like it's magnified because it's so important just feeling good as a group, entering the playoffs with a little bit of swag, a little bit of confidence and feeling like, okay, we're actually right now. Now we're firing on all cylinders. And obviously the hope is that carries over next week because they're certainly peaking at the right time. Uh, let's touch on Rocco Baldelli in the playoffs and then just the current playoff mm. picture real quick and then we'll get out of here. But first, quick reminder, subscribe to the show channel if you haven't already. We got all the latest news and notes surrounding not just the Minnesota Twins, but we got your football fix as well. The Vikings and Gophers coverage around the clock. We got Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Carol Levins' very own Reggie Wilson. Plus, we got Arif Sun and Luke Brown on the football party. So that's Twins, Vikes, Ghosts, soon to be some Wild and T-Wolves action as well, each and every day, all right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Okay. Talk to me about your thoughts and feelings when it comes to Rocco Baldelli calling the shots in the playoffs. Because I know it's kind of a love-hate with this guy for a lot of people and and the fact that there's been plenty of times he seems to kind of get in his own way. And maybe that's uh, some cause for some, some concern come playoff time. Every decision, every call, so much more magnified. Rocco might try to do too much maybe, cost his team a chance at advancing further than they should. What do you think about Rocco?
1: Yeah, Rocco has certainly been pilloried over the years for kind of being a spreadsheet manager Mm -hmm. um, where Mm -hmm. he's going to play the odds. He's going to pinch hit early. Uh, He's going to, like, and I alluded to this already, he's going to pull the starters early, not going to let him get too deep into the third time through the order. And that is frustrating to some people. And it's going to be more frustrating in the postseason, especially to those people that aren't accustomed to the way that he manages. I mean, look at the move tonight, too, with Kepler pinch running for Kepler in the eighth inning in a tie game tonight worked out brilliantly he hit the right button he got a fast Andrew Stevenson on first base scored on the Larnick double great move but what if that doesn't work out what if you lose Max Kepler in that situation and the game goes to extra innings and then Stevenson's hitting instead of Kepler right like then you've lost one of your best hitters so there there are moves that Rocco makes where he is playing the percentages, he might be giving the team a five to ten percent edge in that moment. But then later on in the game, sometimes there's a consequence to pay for that, and fans aren't always going to be happy with that. So I, I, this is more so a PSA. Just get ready for some micromanagement that you might not be accustomed to seeing. Um, now you touched on the offense, too, Luke. I did want to just add on that I I think this offense. How encouraging is it that after losing Correa and Lewis, I know they're playing the angels. I know they're playing the A's, but life went on. The sun came up the next day. They kept hitting. That's pretty encouraging. And, you know, people are talking about, you know, bringing Byron Buxton back and, you know, Lewis and Correa gutting it out. And they might, they might, but I don't think that that is required. For this team to win in the postseason like I but Byron Buxton might be very serviceable as a, a bench piece. I'm not sure I need him in the lineup. You know, I'm not sure I need Carlos Correa to gut it out through immense pain like I feel good about what they're putting on the field right now. So I'll just put that out there as well that this offense is so balanced.
0: Right now. You then. know, it, it's it's funny. Usually this time of year it's the Vikings who rescue Minnesota sports fans away from the twin season and their struggles. This year, it's kind of been the opposite. Vikes are 0-3. Twins getting hot, gearing up for the playoffs. And I can't think of the last time there's been so much hype and pressure on the Twins to just finally win a postseason game here. So, you know, back to the Rocco stuff. Like, you just know the pressure on Rocco to make all the right moves, all the right decisions. It's going to be under the microscope to the 100th degree this time around. Um, Let's just talk playoff picture real quick. I know I do it every time just before we get out of here. But right now, Astros lead the Mariners by a half game going into tonight. Mariners beat them last night six to two. Whichever one of these two teams get in, stamp their place in that wild card spot, they're going to end up playing the twins in round one, obviously. Keep in mind too, though, the Mariners are nine and three against the Astro this year, and they're playing them at home right now in this series. You got to like their chances to come away from behind, steal this thing, and and uh, you know, with what what three, four games to play, uh, a lot of people are starting to lean towards the Mariners a little bit. I know I asked you this last time. Maybe nothing's changed. That's fine, but but who should fans want to play in round one when it comes to like matchup specifics, right? And everything else, just from what you're seeing right now.
1: Yeah. If you're if you're looking for a cold team, it's Houston. I mean, Houston just got swept by the Kansas City Royals at Yeesh. home. Not much is more embarrassing than that when you're in the thick of a division championship race. Now, Houston does have the playoff credibility, and that still scares me. Um, but Houston is definitely the cold team right now. And maybe some of the veterans on that team are aging out a little bit. Uh, we'll see how it plays out because the Rangers and Mariners have a big series coming up four games starting tomorrow. So that division is far from decided. Um, I will say the Rangers are up on the angels to nothing. Angels have three at bats left. If the Rangers win, it basically puts them out of the twins reach to steal that second seed. Um, but man, right now, you know, so it feels like the Astros are cold. But if they remain cold, Luke, then the Mariners pass them, and then the Mariners are in position. So th- right. this could this could switch, you know, three four times in the next four days. So I'm I'm not going to get committed to anybody. I'm not going to get excited about any opponent. I think every opponent's going to be tough. They're going to have good pitching. The Twins are going to have to play their best baseball to win these games and score runs because the twi- during this 18 game losing streak. the the average runs per game has been woeful for the twins, no run support whatsoever. So Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have to put up some, some numbers in order to compete.
0: Yeah. You want to be the best? You got to beat the best. No matter what, who you're playing around, you're going to have to play some tough teams to get to the chip and win the whole thing. So love it. Well said. And and good stuff, as always. They made it dramatic at the end, but twins come back tonight in the eighth. They win game two versus the A's six to four. Game three tomorrow, Sonny Gray in the mound. First pitch, 12-10 p.m. Central Standard Time. So glad you guys could join us on tonight's postcast. And another reminder, we're going to be here nearly every single game from here on out the rest of the season, including the postseason, where we're going to get our guy, the Twins guru, Brandon Warren. He's going to help us break down all the action. Can't wait for that. And that's your reminder. Go check out Warren every day on the Locked on Twins podcast. He's pumping out everything you need to know as the Twins try and stay hot and get healthy heading into the postseason. That'll do it for us tonight. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman at Sam Ekstrom and follow all our work over at the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Twins win tonight 6-4. Just four games left before the 2023 playoffs begin. Until then, that's Sam Ekstrom. I'm Luke Inman. Signing out.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.